Hey folks, interesting show today. Don't exactly know where to begin um, on this one. So let me, let me move everything aside here in the recording mecca. All right, so I sit down with a guy that, you know, I've known for a long time. I love him. He's he's always been, like, quite frankly, like a bright light in a, in a very dimly lit room, you know, um, you see him coming a mile away, bouncing off the walls, um, just like a fireball, right? Sean Lashgari. And, you know, Sean and I, from the moment I met him, we just hit it off. He's a good dude. And you know what? I mean, he probably hits it off with everybody the second he meets him, meets them. Um, and you know what? Like, uh, when I met him, uh, the guy always seemed to me like he had all the energy in the world. Uh, quite frankly, it looked like he did, you know, and I was not aware that he was going through some pretty serious health issues during that time. So it was pretty shocking when uh, a couple years ago, you know, he fell pretty ill and, um, you know, has been struggling a bit, <laughs> a lot. And, uh, you know, we sit down and we talk about it. So, you know, it's a, it's, it's, it sucks. There's no better way to put it. It sucks. The, the guy owes, uh, I don't even want to say that. Um, I will say that a lot of the people in the game industry, um, players, retailers, publishers, owe a lot to Sean and you'll hear why on the show. Um, you know, a lot of the stuff you're playing at your table is because of him. Um, not everything obviously, but there's, you know, if you've ever played an AEG game, chances are he was out pimping it real early on to every retailer and, you know, distributors and, and, you know, whoever. So I feel like, you know, Sean's done a lot for the industry. Everybody who knows him would totally agree. So I'm not going to put any ads on the show today. Um, it's just going to be this intro and the, the interview discussion, whatever you want to call it. I'd, I'd rather call it a discussion. Interview just sounds so fucking clinical. Um, yeah, I'm a little bit of a loss for words on it because it just bums me out of what he's going through. And... I will ask anybody who's listening to this, everybody who's listening to this. Um, I do mention that he has a GoFundMe at, uh, to pay for his healthcare, <laughs> quite frankly. And I mentioned it in the show. I put it in, um, some links on the Facebook pages and, and things like that, but I'm also going to mention it here. Um, you can find his fundraiser at gofundme.com. That's G O F U N D M E.com. GoFundMe. Just type in, once you go there, just search for Sean Lashkari and Sean is spelled S E A N. And his last name is L A S H G A R I. Sean Lashkari. And he's the only one on there. You'll see it. Um, if you can donate a dollar to help this guy out, it'd be great. Um, you know, obviously you don't have to, but, um, no, we just, we just got to help him out. Um, you'll hear why. Okay. 
This is Sean Lashgari on Brenzor's Dead. Folks, I am here with one of the, literally, in my opinion, really one of the pillars of our our, our gaming industry. One of the guys who's made, and I, I usually don't do these little intros at the beginning, but I'm doing it now because this is a real special one for me. And I'm here with my buddy, Sean Lashgari. How you doing, man? JB. <laughs> Uh, that's good. Well, hey, man, uh, you're good. <laughs> you know, it, it's listening to the to the podcast, right? And then hearing, you know, um, a lot of the other ones. I, I don't know what to say. I feel very, I'm very honored. Uh, and I feel the same way about our friendship, you know, and the industry uh, as a whole. You know, it it has been a rough. I could tell you, it's been a rough journey. Right, I know, I know, man. Um, you know, I've, you know, we haven't stayed in touch as much as I would have liked to uh, over the years. But I think you know, intermittently we check in and just kind of see what's going on. And look, man, I'm I'm going to tell you, you know, when I came into this thing again for the really for the the last time in in 2012. Came in, I didn't know anybody, dude. I didn't know a single individual. I, I you know, <laughs> when I would go to shows, I'd be nervous as hell because I'm like, well, right. I, I've got, you know, all this crap to deal with in terms of, you know, the company I was with and like their history, which was not amazing at the time. Um, and dealing with a lot of, you know, hateful people who just wanted to kind of tear you down. And I'll tell you, I remember meeting you at a gamma and it was an early it was like gamma maybe like 2012 and you yeah. know yeah. something like it. it was a long time ago and i'll tell you you for you know we didn't know each other from adam we didn't know anything about each other but man you're you're the nicest guy and i don't even know why <laughs> to be honest with you you know we just uh, maybe we're in the uh, similar circle or something like that but you were such a nice guy you still are um, Thank you. But man, you you have a way about you that is so welcoming and so friendly, and nobody could do any wrong, you know, in in terms of how how you act towards others. And I really appreciate that. And I always have. Well, I appreciate the compliment. I, I don't even think we were we had a space dust speck of knowledge of each other. I mean, <laughs> no. that's probably you know how it was for me for. Uh, a, a lot of people, you know, you just, you, you are, you know, the industry is a really interesting and great place. Uh, I've come to have known hundreds of people and, you know, like, like yourself, I, I was, but I was very lucky. I, I knew a few great people. I mean, I had some heavyweights, right. But they told me that, you know, you have to go out there and, and make your, your way. Right. You know, totally. you have to go and um involve yourself you know and i'm not one to sit back you know i've always been <laughs> let's no. go, you know let's get after it um i wanted to know you know the people and what's funny i i think for a long time you and i our booths were really somewhat 
we were always within eye shot of each other for a while. Totally. Or we were, you know, at like Gen Con, you were a few spots away and, you know, I was either right. a few spots away and, you know, it, it grew, uh, the friendship grew. And then pretty much, look, you were, you know, rock star status, um, as, as it could, as it should be, you know, <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> know about that one. Yeah. <laughs> but I appreciate that. It it is. It's always been a passion. Um, yeah. I, I how'd you get How'd you get started, man? How'd you How'd you get into this industry? Because you, when I see you, I just see like this fireball of just energy and excitement, and big tall dude with glasses coming at you with a red shirt. <laughs> That's what it I was, it was really. I mean. It's a very crazy story, and it's it's a um, you know really? I was thinking about it the other day because it it um it was really touching to me. I you, how I mean it started by a fluke really, and I had there was a group of guys that were really close together, and we traveled around and we you know vacationed together and we became super. Um, the friendship was just really, really close. And that was uh, John Zinzer, mm-hmm. uh, Peter Atkinson, uh, Christian Moore, um, Owen Seiler came in there a little later, um, uh, Cliff Jones, and a few other guys, CJ, uh, that's no longer here with us. But those were, and then of course, um, along with that would be once in a while, I would see like, uh, Ray Weirs, you yep. know, and mm-hmm. Jordan Wiseman. And I was not in the game industry. And these guys were all, you know, they were my friends before I was in the industry, right? And they were so humble. They were so great to be with. They never acted like, you know, hey, I'm this and you're that. And for a couple of years, this was in the, this was in the late this was in the late 90s maybe probably 97 98 and I was in the tech side of I was in the tech industry and I would listen to them we would go and we would be together we'd you know meet for vacation or just you know someone would be in town or we would drive up to LA and get together and go out and they were always talking about gaming they were talking I mean <clears throat> I remember when, excuse me, <clears throat> sorry, JB, it's part of the, uh, <laughs> sorry. Uh, I, I, you know, I had a real quick, I had a hematoma on my uh, vocal cords a while back with, when all this was going on and it um, ruptured my vocal cords. So oh, God. sometimes there will be this intermittent like break in my voice. Um, now some people like it to like, like being sound like a rock star, you know, gets all haggard. So if the girls like it, I'm okay with that. <laughs> all right. well, that literally that's where it's at. And then some, it's funny because sometimes you just, you know, you have to deal with it. But going back to the story, yeah. you know, um, I got to meet a lot of people who I didn't know who they were. I mean, I didn't know, um, Richard Garfield. At the time, you know, I, I I played games. I was more of a classic 
game player, but I really didn't have a foothold on, uh, and you know, CCGs. I played D and D when I was like eight. Right. Like, right. I, like, yeah. If I'd have known the first white box would have been valuable, what kept that? <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, but if you're going to break into gaming and your, your, your group of friends that you're hanging with are Peter Atkinson, John Zinzer, uh, Richard Garfield. I mean, those are, that's a pretty damn good circle to be in. If you're going to be, if you want to get into gaming, that's a good. It's those a, guys are good gateway drug dealers. It is. <laughs> you know yeah, I, mean? Dan, I would say Dan Hirsch was there uh, a Jesus, couple times. Jesus, Dan! Oh my God! What he? What, know, he, he <laughs> Jesus, dude! That was it, right? That's insane. Yeah. I mean, to me, like I had like Carl down the street. <laughs> I had like. My my aunt Lizzie or something like that, but you're hanging out with Dan Hirsch, who, if anybody doesn't know, which I'm sure you do, I mean the guy runs Alliance over there. I mean, come uh, on, amazing. I mean, on the uh, the first time I met Dan, he's picking up John and I. I still wasn't in the game industry yet, in a limousine at um in Vegas for there was some show we were there, here for. And it wasn't Gamma, but um I don't know if it was licensing or something. I just remember getting into the limousine with, with Dan, you know, and he didn't know me from Adam. And of course he's, you know, one of my close friends, you know, today, right. um, like all of them are. Um, but it was lucky. I, I had a chance to, re I really loved what they did. And, you know, it, I, John ever said to me, he goes, look, you know, we had this conversation. Um, Zinzer, he goes, Hey man, if you're ever, you know, wanting to move from that industry um, because I was in sales and, and I worked for a really, you know, for a, a fortune 200 company and, you know, it was really stressful and, and I didn't love what I did. Um, the hours were, you know, were grueling like any, you know, job can be at that time when you're trying to make headway. But, you know, uh, I did, I was really lucky. Um, and I went to work for AEG. And the funny thing was, as soon as I went into the industry, right, you know, I was the guy at the very, very bottom. I mean, sure, I knew these guys, right? But they they let me, I had to swim on my own. I was like tossed <laughs> out into the water and didn't know anybody, you know, built every relationship from the ground up. I think that's probably something that I can you know, put my hat to and say, you know, even with, with these great friends and it was, and I mean, I was lucky to have them. Right. But they all said the same thing. You, you know, you've got to go out there and, and create it. No one's just gonna, no one's gonna, I'm nobody, you know, we, you know, what's interesting about that is, and I, I don't know anybody, you know, having done this for a while myself and, and, you know, we see a lot of people, you know, all, all over, all the time. I don't know anybody, and I'm sure there are, there always are, but like, I, I really don't know anyone who's just had like a free ride, you know, where, well, I do know some people have had a free ride, but they don't, they're not the, the spotlight folks, let me put it that way. Um, I mean, but I mean, dude, like I, you know, you definitely struck me as a guy and, and I don't think this is any mystery because anyone who knows you will wholeheartedly agree with this statement. Dude, you have one of the most incredible work ethics I've ever seen in my life. I mean, you really do. You never stop. You never, ever stop. And to the point where I, 
look, I wasn't aware of any health issues you may have had at any time because you certainly never showed them. You showed no symptoms. When you and I were together, there was nothing. Right. You know? And I'll tell you, man, you just didn't stop. And I always thought to myself, I'm like, dude, okay, it's, it's you know, 9 a.m., Sean's working. I see him over there working. It's noon, working, cool. It's, you know, during the day, we're all working. And then, you know, like in the evening, still be working. And then at 3 a.m., still working. Still and working. I, and I, know, I, I thought to myself, I'm like, slow the fuck down. Yeah, slow I, down, know, my friend. It, the, the first 10 years of my, you know, the first 10 years and the next 10 years, I, I can say there was a, that, that was the, the split, right? My first 10 years, um, I mean, dude, I was on the, I mean, I, I was on the, I had my car or rented a car full of games and drove from like San Diego to Seattle, stopping in like, it was the nor'easter was going on. I remember being in flood conditions driving to game stores and like I had all of these things mapped out and the distributors. And I remember showing up at game stores where I, I made it in. Like it was how the rain, I couldn't even, I was, my arms were so carried with games, but I didn't even have, it was like take an umbrella because I had a park. Like some of these places were so far from where you could actually get to them. Right. You know? And I remember just, being drenched walking into these some of these game stores and the guy and nobody's there right nobody's there nobody's crazy enough right go to a game store when it's like hailing outside and it's six inches of water and there's the owner at the counter right and he looks over ready to lock up (laughs) and he's like dude who are you the guy from you know blah 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 and i was like I certainly am, you know, <laughs> I'm here to teach games and show you our games and do that kind of stuff. And, you know, that's how it went. I, you know, I'd buy a couple of pizzas and an hour later, you know, a, a bunch of people would be coming in or something. But I, I have to say, I learned from really three of the best and watching how they worked shaped how I worked. And, and the first guy I have to give honors to is Ray Weirs. I mean, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, I, I thought that I worked hard. Right. Yeah. And I saw what Ray did and how he molded himself. And I remember when Mage Knight, I remember when it wasn't even a thing yet. I mean, mm-hmm. where clicky base, it was just coming out. And I remember seeing the first prototypes with him and I mean, with him where Jordan Wiseman, you know, those guys were, I mean, this was going to change the game industry and to see some of those things were, were pretty incredible because when I, I wasn't really, uh, I wasn't really a, a, a player of miniatures at that time, you know? And, but when I, when I saw it and I felt it and saw that you could do the scoring and everything, I went, that's this is going to be like you can just tell when things are going to be really like uh, you know change the industry and it certainly did and ray was that person that i i don't know if the impact of 
you know, the original Wiz kids would have had it if it wasn't for Ray and how he he pushed through the industry. And he was the guy that I would be leaving the room. Uh, you know, if if we were at a show or we were whatever and and I picked Ray's brain, but you know, it was like one o'clock in the morning, whatever. And we're all bailing out, we're all done, we're all talking, you know, the the manufacturers. And there, you know, would be a table and all of a sudden you see this light turn on. And maybe Ray, like the like the the hall shut down, but Ray would be there teaching somebody, teaching a a retailer, and that's when it struck me. I'm like, if I'm gonna if I'm going to make it or if I'm going to get known to help retailers and really get their their trust, that's what I'm gonna that's the bar for me. And that was the bar. You know, that's how I, I took it. And I I'll mean, give Ray a little shout out too. So Ray, obviously, um, for anybody who doesn't know, owns Calliope Games. And they make incredible. I mean, I just had Chris Leader on here the other day. And we were talking about that podcast. It was great. It was good. It was hey, a lot of fun. Hey, Chris. Shout out to Chris. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, Chris, uh, Chris said very plainly, it was like, they make good, like, gateway games. Like, they are they make good games to get people into gaming. And, and clearly that shows because your description of Ray, you know, doing a demo at one in the morning when the, the hall shut down, there's a little light on a table and he's talking to a retailer. I mean, that does, t- that doesn't still in you like, well, this guy's doing it and this is what it takes. Well, this is what has to be done. So I, I get what you're saying, man, a hundred percent, hundred percent, you know, and the retailers really, I mean, that's where I got to strike another chord, right? Because I, I would just, you know, I mean, someone would walk up to me at a distributor event, right? And it's two people, right? And it's three, like you said, two in the morning, three or whenever it was. And they would ask me about the games. And I'm like, let's sit down and let's play, you know? Even when they're breaking, I remember they were breaking down tables, you know? And the staff was literally, I'm like, can I have the table? And I think someone from the distributor said, yeah, you know, let those guys do their thing. And that's what what really the connection um, that you forge with these retailers and so many retailers, um, you know, I I have uh, I'm on you know Skype with or Messenger or you know text and that's the part that really you know drives it home because they're risking it all, right? They're the ones right. trying to to build something. Uh, they need help, you know. They need to. They need swag, you know. They need people to, you know, to rally around. And, um, you know, I did a couple of things. I thought that was that were pretty ingenious in the industry. <laughs> and, you know, when I went to a distributor open house, I mean, I gave it my all. You know. Yeah. Clearly, and, no, uh, I agree. Yeah. There's, there's no question. I mean, you know, there was, you know, it only takes one little match to start a forest fire you know and what i mean by that is you know it takes one retailer to sit down and go wow not only did these guys show me a game at at a very inconvenient time but it was convenient for the retailer so you know you you have to accommodate right right 
not only does, you know, the retailer can definitely take away that not only did they show me this game as opposed to just sending me an email about it with like a little, you know, spreadsheet of images and info sheets. They sat down, they showed it to me, they're passionate about it. I'm now going to go back and I'm going to tell everybody in my store, all the players to buy this game. And I'm just going to use roll for it because I'm going to give another shout out to Ray. Cause I just like those guys. a lot. I look, I love that's, that's one of the games. So when at, at my peak, right, I went around with three different games from manufacturers. One mm. was of course, love letter. Um, oh, love the second one was roll for it. Right. And uh, there was, what was the third one? It was another $10. I had three like different games, right. Even though I was pitching for love letter. Um, to show the the retailer, look, this is the you want to have these games. You want right. to be able to have your, you know, ancillary or that person comes up and spends thirty or forty bucks. He's he just bought a twenty dollar game and he's got ten dollars more. I mean, yeah. put it by the register, you know. And yeah. I love playing those games with people, and it works. You know, it's it's funny you mentioned love letter because I agree with you. Now, love letter is well. L- l- let me let me step back for one second and just say like, the fact is that people need to realize that they need to pay attention to all facets of the landscape. You know, not just like the high echelon fun stuff that you know uh, the spotlight stuff, but you know the fact that it does take some of those real late night or, or early morning or whenever on a Sunday or a, you know, when, when it's not convenient, you may have to make it convenient. Right. And if, if you're not willing to do that in this industry, then it ain't the industry for you, period. You know, because that, that one retailer can go back, not only tell all the players in their store to buy this, you know, X game, whatever it is, but then those players are going to tell people and like it, it just spawns from there. So, but I'll tell you, man, you mentioned love letter as well, dude. I cannot tell you, and I've, I've said this so many times, that, you know, for 16 cards in a game, my God, that 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 thing will live on forever. It is such a good experience. I love it. And it, it's it funny. I've given, I have, somehow over the years, I've amassed about 20 copies of Love Letter. <laughs> well, some of them came from you, you know, right. I mean, you know, but it's like, and sometimes I would just be like, hey, I'm running short. And here's why. I, I give them out. I give out copies of Love Letter. Like when our neighbors moved in a couple years ago, right? I'm like, guys, we got to do a game night. Here's a bottle of wine, and I gave them a copy of Love Letter. I'm like, we're going to do a game night some night, and this is going to be on the table. So right. it, it's just one of those things. I, I don't give them like the Batman Love Letter. I give them the Love Letter, Love Letter. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I, I did too. Not right? the Batman um, one, but it doesn't hold the same charm. You know, you know, if someone loves one of the, you know, the the licenses. I've I. First of all, you know me. I, I was a, I was I would think of myself as Santa Claus in the industry. I mean, Vinzer oh, yeah. taught me that, but I think I took it to another level, right? <laughs> you know, and sometimes <laughs> it was, you know, sometimes it was like, where in the f are the rest of the games? I'm like, hey, we had retailers, we had customers, we were done. You know, they're in the wild. There you go. That's where you want them to be. I'm making people happy. Right. And, you know, I, that, I think for me, I had, I will go back to love letter in a second, but, you know, I think the greatest rewards for me were people coming to me who I had met a year or two earlier at a show or maybe at an open house. And they said, because of you, you know, 
they would they would seek me out and they go because of you we took a chance on these games or we took a chance on you you know and it has been the best thing that we've we've done and the success that we've had at the store you know or whatever and you know those were the moments i mean it's not you can't it's not recording them right and you know that's what made me want to 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 drive harder to push more was you know having those people go hey you're back oh my god this was the guy like having retailers go get their store employees or the people they're with to come and say the reason why we have these games or you know the reason for this or we you know nobody paid attention to us but this guy did you know, and that is really what meant the world to me. Like that's, I mean, I would have done it for, for food money. You know, I would have worked. You, you know what I think is. And literally in those days, it literally was food money, right? I mean, I wasn't, oh, made I know. Food, you know, it isn't a, a, it isn't a labor of, 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 you know, lucrative, lucrative assets. Right. Um, right. But that part of, of having the bond with, you know, you, our guys, the retailers, the distributors, and to, you know, to 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 grow. I mean, God, I, I mean, I don't know a, a road or a highway. I wasn't in a car and had traveled, you know, back in, right. the, in the early 2000s, right? I mean, late 90s, you know hitting town from town and, you know, speaking to John or sometimes I'd have one of the, you know, the people that I was meeting drive with me from one town to the next, you know, to do games. And they're, they're like, how many stores are we going to hit today? And I'm like, eight. Like, All of them. Hey, like I, I can do two stores in a day. I'm like, no, 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 no. we're, we're going to do eight. And here's how it's done. You know? Right, right, right. Um, you know, 8 a.m. till midnight. That's we, what you did. You, that is true. I mean, it's it's a tough grind, man. But I'll tell you, you know, it's interesting to me. And I think this is probably a cool feeling that gives a lot of people, you know, a, a little bit of a self-reward, if you will. Where, you know, I think you personally, Sean, can really tell yourself that, you know, I don't know if a lot of people would be playing the some of the games they are today if it wasn't for the groundwork that you did years and years and years ago. You know, I mean, that's like you said, a retailer takes a chance. And then from there, it, go, it goes to another retailer and then it becomes a thing. Then it becomes buzzworthy and then people start to get it. And it could be because of a store you visited, you know, and I think that's a pretty cool feeling. You know, it is, I'll, and I'll give you another, uh, one more on that. This one is stuck with this one stuck with me. Um for a long time and it, it was sad in a way but also it made me really proud to do it i mean <laughs> you know back in the day right when there wasn't much of an internet and, and there wasn't really you know i think i had my garmin gps that hooked up through the car i mean it was on your right. computer right, so right, right. You, could, you could navigate through your computer because that was the that's what it was right there wasn't any like you know um uh, GPS. Yeah, we, yeah, we didn't have the apps. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, there was no, there was no nothing in the cars, right? The phones. And no. I remember I had this this one store, and it was the. I mean, it was beyond BFE, right? It was 
so far when I looked at it on my map <laughs> and it was scheduled. We had it at midnight. I was bringing pizza at midnight because that's when they, you know, wanted to, to have me to come there. And I thought it was a little strange, you know, and I'm like, okay, Cause, kind of cause they were going to kill you. And they, were, they were really <laughs> excited. Right. And I mean, it was incredibly difficult. Like, it was maybe twelve fifteen, and I, I I was on the phone with them. I'm like, I can't find you. I'm on the GPS, and I'm like, you got to help me. And it, I don't think it was raining, but there was literally no lights on in right. this little section of town that I was going right. And they stood at the window with flashlights, so I saw <laughs> them with flashlights, right? Wow. Because they didn't yeah. have a sign that lit up. They like had their little indoor light on, but you couldn't see it from the right, street. Right. It's, really, it's really crazy, right? And I had all these pizzas, you know, and I finally got there and, and showed up. And, you know, we had a blast at like like midnight. And I remember talking to the store owner and he goes, you know, he's looking at me and he's chuckling and we're in the back, you know, and he goes, man, it's been, I'm like, how long have you been, you know, and I'm always inquisitive asking retailers about their experience and, you know, what's working for them and their life. I mean, you know, just natural conversation, but wanting to, to know about their history. And he goes, you know, the, the last person that came through here, um, he says, God, it's been about, was about 14 or 10, never left. 10 years. Exactly. Like he's like, it was like 10 years ago or, or 13 years ago. And I'm like, I'm like trying to think who was that. I'm like, who in the hell was that? And he goes, it was Peter Atkinson showing us magic. Oh my right? God. Yeah. And I was like, oh. and that's um, when I was showing Bella Sarah. And Bella Sarah. Oh my like, God. Oh five. Oh four. Oh five. And oh my God. That's right. I, go, oh my God. Know. I forgot about that. Oh man. I, I, I wasn't going to let you forget. Dude, if um, anybody lets you let. Wait, I, I, I'm going to say this. Don't be offended, Sean, but I don't know yeah. how many people know what Bella Sarah is. So we got we to gotta tell them what Bella... I remember it, when I was... It was like, yeah, it was like 2005, 2006. Somewhere around there was at Upper Deck. I was on the organized play team. I was just doing that bit for those guys. Right. And me and this other guy, like, we, we you know, anytime like a weird product came around... And what I say about weird is just something like that's not... It, it just... This was a horse TCG. <laughs> or not even a TCG. It was just a collectible. It was just, yeah. It, just collectible cards about horses. <laughs> so right. I'm going to classify that as odd. All right. Well, so I this thing they came. They had positive messages to them. It and, did. It did. And, and it wasn't bad. Don't get me wrong. It was no, no, those, no, no. Like, this came across my desk and I'm like, well, what the hell is this? And it was a pack of horse cards. <laughs> I'm like, well, I got to open it. Right. And then, dude, you know what? Then it was like, oh. Well, all right. Well, what's the rare? Oh, I didn't get it. Go get me some more packs, man. We give me some more packs of Bella Sarah. Next thing you know, dude, we're like breaking like boxes of Bella Sarah right. at work. Right. And I'm like, well, great. That's when I found out, like, you know, when I met you, you were like, yeah, Bella Sarah. I was like, get the hell out of here, man. I know Bella Sarah. <laughs> yeah. All yeah. right. So the Bella Sarah, it's a, it's a weird thing, but it's, you know, hey, it caught on. It caught on fire for a while. It was a really fun ride with the with 
with Peter and, uh, you know, the team, it was definitely the hardest thing I think that I have probably up until this, these 10 years, that was the hardest because literally I was the sales guy, right? I mean, Peter, we had a, we had a small, we had a small team and, you know, it was not, I mean, nobody wanted to believe in a girl's trading card property or just, a, you know, a girl's TCG, a real TCG, right? You know, there wasn't really any gameplay. Obviously, we were following off of the webkins, having the, the website where you could take care of your pony and, you know, do all that kind of stuff. And the owner of the creator of the property, Gita, was, I still speak to her today and her children. In fact, mm-hmm. I saw them when I was in Europe, um, in Denmark, because that's where they live. And to be able to see them and speak to them, you know, was was really special. But, you know, I remember I had to go out to the mass market guys. And I, and I didn't know the mass market guys like I do now, right? I mean, Peter and I are flying around, a lot of them, and then I had to, you know, I had to go on, on these trips. And they were still kind of know about it, you know. And I literally had to convince every no into a yes, right? I mean, everybody on my sheet was a no. And I'm literally, I've got a 40-hour, four stops in, you know, Des Moines, going to Chicago, headed to Walmart, you know, going to Target. I mean, you know, Blockbuster back in the, I mean, there was all of these accounts and small 7-Elevens and everything, right? And, you know, I mean, literally, I walked away with them giving me space, you know, every one of them I convinced to open the door. And that was, I mean, you know, because it was, my back was against the wall. And that was, if it, if we didn't get it done, the game wasn't going to, wasn't going to show. We weren't, we mean, Hobby wasn't going to pick it up yet. They were, they were very leery. They wanted to see what the, some of them wanted to see what the house was doing, but, um, yeah, I mean, I got it done, and it was. I think that aged me probably five years. So let me. So to that point, man, because you know, you not to not to make light of it in any way, because I think it's a real serious thing that you've been, you know, dealing with for for a very long time now. But you know, you did burn the candle at both ends. Let me be very clear on that. And and I would say you to you admit to that you worked really hard, and it's clear through your stories, through your you know lineage. You worked a lot. And yeah. So like bring me up to speed, man, and bring everybody up to speed on, you know, where you're at now in terms of yeah. (laughs) Well, I mean, you know, it it definitely is a it's a sad story, right? Um, but you know, there's a lot of I'm a fighter, I think. You know, um there are good days and bad days, right? Um you know, I have a work ethic that just doesn't, that doesn't stop. I mean, you know, I'm behind something, I'm behind it. And I try to bring that to the people I work with. And, you know, um, if I'm, you know, managing uh, or helping other staff people, and sometimes it it worked and sometimes it didn't work, you know? Um, 
what was really tough. I mean, this is my ninth year, nine years now that um, was the was the very first time that I almost died um, from this horrible disease that I have. And it wasn't the first time in my life. I mean, I was really sick as a kid and, and most people don't know that. And, you know, I won't even go down that road, but, you know, um, I really was into athletics. You know, I was a, was and always loved to do sport. You know, uh, Peter mm-hmm. taught me to rock climb and I, I back when I was in Seattle and I loved, you know, rock climb, I loved doing anything outdoor hiking yeah. swimming running you know I, I was a tennis player you know golf whatever it jumping out of the airplanes i mean <laughs> i wanted to do it and experience it i wasn't an adre- a general uh adrenaline junkie but <clears throat> i wanted to be uh someone who you know um, i loved team sports they were really great for me and in school i always you know, got to do that. And, you know, even when I was in the industry, no matter how hard things were, you know, I mean, and there were a lot of years where booze was, was the answer, you know, um, after a hard day or something, you know, going to happy hour and, you know, doing all that stuff, uh, which was great, but I, I really needed to, you know, get some physical, get something that I could do, you know, with people or, or on my own, right? right? To keep me going because you know how the stresses are of the industry. And as you move up and, and are doing different things and, and um, you know, uh, my mom got really sick. That was probably the beginning of it. Mm-hmm. And I left Seattle and started my own consulting, you know, business right at the end of 2009, eight. I probably start of 2009 because it was 2008 when I when I left and that was you know the the one of the worst times it was really tough and I became a triathlete and I was really you know happy with with my life in that in that mode right you know I got to work really hard you know I was with my tri club and and I had moved from California I came to Vegas to to train because it was easier I could work longer and train faster. So that was the, the whole reason for me to, to come to Vegas. Plus there were a couple of my good friends were here. Um, you know, Owen was here, Christian was here and Owen Seiler and Christian Moore. Um, uh-huh. And, you know, it was, it was really good. I was on top of where I wanted to be, you know, and just, you know, out of, uh, out of nowhere, you know, um, I was done with my try season and just one weekend, you know, it was the week of Thanksgiving. Um, you know, I had to, I had a big Monday and typically my schedule for, for many years was I was up at, you know, four in the morning. I would be up at four, um, enough to stretch and eat and be at the pool by five fifteen. you know? Mm-hmm. So that was because our, our, our club swam at 530 um, every day. So I would swim. I mean, I loved the swim. That's what I fell in love with. So I would, I would be swimming from 530 to 7 some days, maybe even 730, depending on my work schedule, and then 
you know, be home at my desk and then I'd work a full day and either go back to the, go back to the pool or, you know, I would ride during a break or something during the day. And, you know, that's how yeah. it was, you know, that's how my right, life right. was. And I, and I loved it. And then, you know, the morning that, that the event happened, it was crazy. You know, I was on with the mass market guys and I was having a hard time with my work. Um, things weren't going great. You know, the recession had really, you know, was, was definitely by, you know, 2010, 2011, things were kind of rebounding. They were still really tough. And I remember I woke up at about six and I just didn't feel, I didn't feel right. I didn't, my ear was bothering me, which I never had any, like an ear problem before I, I went swimming. So I decided not to go swimming and I had like a little oatmeal and I was on the phone from like, you know, five hours. And then, you know, I was deciding whether or not to go to the gym at 12 to go swim, you know, to go maybe get 30 minutes of cardio or whatever. And I was doing a little bit of that in, at my place, at a, my home office. And, you know, my heart went into basically, it was like the matrix moment, you know, you're sticking your hand in the mirror and my whole body just did this reset. And, um, you know, my heart went from a normal beating into basically 400 plus, you know, BPM and really wasn't beating. It felt like it was beating because there was this thing in my chest that was thumping so hard and I knew something was wrong, but what really was going on was, was my heart was quivering. So you have to remember that when you're, you know, your heart's pumping and, and blood's going in and going out. Um, the only reason how your heart pumps is because it, there's electricity that there's a little node in your heart up one in your atrium, one in your ventricle that signals that shoots electricity to the muscle for it to contract. So all this is happening. Blood comes in electrical signal, you know, comes back from the lungs, oxygenated electricity contracts your muscle and then it pumps blood. And that's basically how in a really simple way it works. And it's kind of like, an old carburetor, right? To the right. cylinder is where the spark hits. And, you know, when your car sure. in the old days, sure. um, you know, everyone had a carburetor and you had pistons in there. There wasn't fuel injection, right? But that, you know, that's how it would work. And if it was out of balance, you would know it. You know, your car would slow down, basically. So in, in, in other words, are, is, this the, is this a heart attack you're having or so, is this something else? That's a really good question. There, there are heart attacks that can happen from this. This is what's known as a cardiac event. So mm -hmm. when you have electrical problems that stop your heart, it's known as sudden cardiac death um, or sudden cardiac, um, uh, you know, a sudden cardiac event. And typically, most of them first attacks are fatal. It's something like 80 to 90%, right? Jesus. Yeah. And a heart attack is basically when heart muscle, when, when blood flow is restricted or stops to your heart and, and whatever part it is, and it dies, heart muscle dies, that's a heart attack. So heart attacks aren't always deadly, you know, and um, cardiac events aren't always deadly. 
but you do have a a few minutes, you know, between life and death sometimes. Right. I had no idea that what I was what was happening to me literally should have just killed me on the spot. Like should have ended my life. It was so, max rate, the numbers that most people at the hospital couldn't even believe the numbers, you know, that were happening. And I couldn't even believe it. I thought I was in a panic attack, right? So tell me, so tell me what happens. I mean, do you, at that point, do you go, I have to call 911 or do you get in the car and go to a hospital or do, do you fall to the ground and your neighbor finds you? Like what, what is the, yeah, I was home alone. Like, what's I mean, the progression there? The the progression was that I was on borrowed time. I mean, you know, it's right. funny that I wrote this, this story out in an email in the in the after this happened to me. I wanted a lot, you know, I wanted to try to help people with sure. it. That was the that was the first story that I wrote. And after all of that, is like what happened. What I'm describing to you now is basically like having. Um, like a French fry on your appetizer. And then these last nine years have been the full, you know, onslaught of yeah. things oh, that have happened that, I mean, to where now I'm looking at possibly a heart transplant. So, oh my God, are you serious? Yeah. I mean, it, oh, it's, it's been, you know, we'll talk about that in, in a second, but that, you know, the first part was crazy because I was, right. I was, I felt, still really strong, you know, I knew something was wrong. And what did I do? I thought that I was having a panic attack. So I hadn't taken a shower yet. Right. So mm -hmm. I jump in the shower thinking, you know what, maybe if I get in the shower and, you know, hot or cold water, it'll, you know, my body will just like, right. Right. Stop. Like all you the try time, to rationalize it. You go, yeah. I don't think I'm dying. You just go, I yeah, think you know, so, like maybe, you know, I may just need to calm it down for a minute. And, it, yeah. Like this will, this right. will do it. I mean, this will pass. This will pass. This will pass. If, there was, if there was an idiot board that biggest <laughs> odds were running and they would have had these steps up there, right? Like these were the things that should have basically sent me to the grave, right? Yeah. yeah. So it's almost 10, I'm, I'm in there for maybe five, 10 minutes. And mm -hmm. nothing's better, right? I get out, I'm drying off, and my heart is still in, you know, I was trying to take, and I was really good at taking my pulse or your pulse at that time, because when you're, you know, when you're a triathlete and you're in the water and places, you need to be able to know what your, your resting heart rate, be able to get your, your right. pulse, figure out the numbers and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. So what was happening was, is because my heart was quivering at such a high rate, that there was just a small amount of blood going out of my heart with oxygen coming in to, you know, basically keep it going. Um, but literally, for if I wasn't in the condition that I was in, I, I wouldn't have made it for sure. Right. Um, and I thought about laying down. So I'm like, maybe I should just lay down, you know, maybe if I rest for a little bit and, you know, when the doctors, you know, later on when I was there and I told them this, they're like, well, luckily you didn't lay down because you wouldn't have gotten back up, you know? So I was like, Ugh, that's crazy. Yeah. Um, well, and I think that's human nature to go like, let me, let me go through the steps I know, or not, I know, but that I think will help the situation. Cause I think we've all been there. We're like, something's off, but you don't feel like it's the end of the line. You just go, 
all right, let me just take it down a notch. Let me step back, do a couple things, you know, to just kind of put my body in a little bit more rest. But Jesus Christ. I mean, I don't know how you, you talk about an, an idiot board of like, you know, if, if people were betting. But I mean, how do you know that this is such a horrible thing if you haven't really experienced it? So well, it was definitely I mean, the, the fact that it was still in the three, you know, I was in the 300s. My body was going, getting weaker. And what did it for me is I um, I was on the bottom floor of a three story uh, townhome. And I walked upstairs to get water and I walked back down. And when I did that, it felt like I had done a triathlon. I was literally so weak at that moment that I couldn't even, I couldn't even like take another step. So then I knew I was in serious. That's what told me you're in serious trouble if you don't do something you're going, you know, I, I knew that I was, I didn't know what was going to happen. I know I was trying to keep the not living part out of my, out of my head. So I said, well, I can call 911. <clears throat> I can get into my car and drive to the hospital, you know, um, or, and call someone to, to be on the phone with me. And I remembered the hospital that I thought I knew what, what was close, but when you're thinking about those things and then you actually have to do them, you're, they're probably, you're probably wrong. Right. So what did I do? I get into my car and I, and I called Christian, uh, Christian Moore, um, who was my roommate, you know, at the time, but he was in Kansas city and he picked up the phone and I'm racing to the hospital now. And I'm like, don't hang up. You know, I said, I'm like, don't, you know, don't right, right, right. I'm having a panic attack. You know, my heart's blah, blah, blah. And, you know, he's trying to keep me, he's trying to keep me calm. And it's Monday, you know, it's the Thanksgiving week, right? And I remember getting halfway to the hospital. And at this point, my chest was really hurting and I was getting really weak. And I knew I was in trouble. I had felt like that another matrix you know, quote here when, you know, Neo was in the matrix and he's like, they have him in the car and he's driving down the street and he's like, I used to eat Chinese food, you know, like all that looked, you know, it was all not real. And I'm at the stoplight and it just didn't seem real to me. Like people, you know, were walking, they're doing their things. They're going about their daily lives. And you're like, I'm, I don't know what's going on with my life here, right? They're just kind of carrying on. And you're thinking like, guys, I'm dying. I need some help. They, no, I mean, the car next to you, you always wonder, like when people, you look in, at a stop sign or you're stopped somewhere and you see people in traffic or whatever. And, you know, we're always thinking about like, F you, I need to get ahead of you or I need to do something to her. You know, I need to like, you just think you own the road. And I was really scared. And I told Christian, I said, I don't think I'm going to make it. You know, I I thought that I, I'm like, should I jump out of the car and start screaming? I need help. You know, 911. I mean, at that point, all of these things really came to one conclusion was that I had made a fatal mistake that Mm -hmm. I could crash, kill someone kill a dog, whatever. And if that would have happened and I survived, I would never have been able to forgive myself, you know? And luckily that part, I told him, I said, look, Christian, here's where I'm at. If we lose connection, 
you know, that means that means I've either I'm out or I've crashed. Call nine one one and tell them where where I'm at, right? And luckily, I made it to um, the hospital, you know. And there's no fucking parking, of course, right? ER. Well, that's what, no parking. You pull up in front, brother. Nothing. Not even in front. They had these like huge pillars, so you couldn't park in front. And so I'm struggling because that, I'm, that's good at a hospital. That's at a good, hospital, right? Yeah. And I'm really in bad shape. So I see the doctors for, you know, parking and there's no like cars in the doctor. So I just went over, I parked my car in the, in the, in the doctor spot and I got out. And when I got out, I was in trouble. Right. I was going down and you know, the, the that story is, I mean, this is a, it's a crazy story from that moment on, but literally this woman saved my life when I got in there and, you know, we got back into the, I'll just finish this last couple seconds and tell you where I'm at, but it, it's a really crazy story, right? Where they hooked me up to the EKG, you know, and I, I, mean, I was tan. I looked and was in the best shape of my life, right? So yeah, yeah. You always look healthy, Sean. You no always look way. healthy. I'm like, I'm having heart trouble. And, and basically the day were like, no, you know, <laughs> take a seat, sir. You're probably yeah. just having a panic attack or because I didn't break, like I wasn't freaked out. You know, I wasn't um, crying or anything, but I, I definitely was scared. And they hooked me up to this EKG machine and I've never seen a machine go like literally it was through the red. It was alarming. It was shaking so hard that it was like about to fall off the stand it was on. And that's when I, you know, and it was like 302. Um, but, you know, again, that's your heart's not really beating. It's just, it's quivering at such a high rate. And that's when you really, that's when you're in trouble and, you know, you can pass out at any moment. So I looked at this woman and all the color in her face had gone away. And, you know, I looked back at this machine and I couldn't believe it. I'm like, that's not good, you know? And, um, they, uh, she left. I looked over and I couldn't, see, I didn't even notice. She, <laughs> she just left. <laughs> I was I'm freaked out. out. That's when I started to like, go, okay, what's wrong? Nobody's here. And I pulled all the, I started to pull the leads off me and get up. And at that point, three people, two other doctors with her had run into the room. And basically like what you see on TV, they stripped me naked, gowned me, had multiple IVs multiple defibrillators on me in the row of the critical care unit for um for heart victim you know heart patients and stuff and they flipped on the machines there and it was just deafening like you couldn't even hear everything was alarming everything was was red and i remember the doctor this doctor walked in and now there's like nine people you know trying to save my life and the guy walked in and he's like, I'm doctor, you know, so-and-so because you're in terminal VTAC. We can't stop this. You're going to die. And thanks doc. You're exactly, Please stop it. I'm like, wait a minute. You know, in my mind, I, I still expected like people to jump out. It was like candy camera. You know, we were going to laugh. Yeah. Was, right. You know, my heart was going to go, you know, they were just going to give me something or like, you know, tap me on the foot and that would, you know, Relay, sure. uh, relay, uh, take away the, you know, the 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 panic attack or yeah. whatever my heart was doing. But no, it, it, I'm trying to grapple 
with like the terminal and what like VTAC and gonna die like I just couldn't believe it. You and and you're no you're not a doctor. All these like terms that they're throwing at you. Do you just say to yourself, can someone just fucking tell me what's happening and don't give me like the the medical terms? Just tell me like what what is going on? Does that ever occur to you at any point? Like how does that he, how does that fit in? Yeah, you know because well I I knew I wasn't at that point. You know I was really starting to like my body. So I'm losing the oxygen and the my blood flow is very low and you know my chest is really hard my my mind was clear but he definitely you know he said look you know you're this is what's happening and he explained to me what was going on as they're you know running through everything and he's like we're we have three things we're going to try to do we're going to try to breathe you a little bit maybe get your heart back into rhythm because they explained to me what was going on and he said if that doesn't work we're going to inject you with a bunch of heart drugs and he's like it's not going to make you feel good and he said the third thing we're going to do is you know we're going to defib you they're going to get the plates you're going to put me out and they're going to shock me and i remember him the, the before they started doing everything he goes he said look there are some arrhythmias that we do not know about yet meaning that electricity will not have an effect so Basically, we can put you out and you're just not going to wake up. So, you know, you're you're trying to manage all that. You understand what's going on in there. The the breathing part was didn't work when we stopped that in like 10 seconds because nothing was helping. And, you know, they injected you with all these heart drugs. And I mean, it was awful. You know, so are they are they giving you a choice at that point? Like we can do this or we can do that. And if we do this, there's a chance you may not wake up. Did they did they yeah, literally present choice. it to you? There were three things that these were the steps that they do right for for uh, someone in my situation. And they start with the easiest, which is let's try to breathe you. Let's try to get you. Maybe we can get you back into rhythm. Maybe your heart will reset. But my heart was had nothing to do with it. The next thing they can do is they in try to get your body or get your heart to again reset itself to con you know to go back into rhythm with these heart drugs that are meant to do that um and they are not going to make you feel good you know they were really bad, so those heart drugs were terrible, you know they inject into you and you're laying there feeling like radiator fluid and battery acid is oh, going through your body. <clears throat> and at that point, I literally couldn't move anymore. Like I couldn't move my hand. You know, I was so weak. I knew at that point, I knew what was going on. You know, my mind was clear. And all I was doing at that point was just cheerleading. Like this isn't, you're not going to die today. You know, I literally was just focused on pushing myself in my mind to, you know, hang on, you can do it, you know. I mean, because at that point, the rubber has hit the road. You know what's going on. And the third thing they were going to do, of course, was then that the last thing was put me under, you know, and then they were going to shock me. And then they were going to shock me again if it didn't work. And he's like, we'll shock you a couple times. But, it, you know, because people don't realize what happens in the movie is really not what's what's there when you flat when there's no electrical signal th nothing will bring you back that's that's 
that's when you're gone and there isn't any like, hey, we can shock your heart and bring you back. So once electrical signal is gone, doesn't matter, right? Hmm. There has okay. to be some segment, something electrical, you know, still going on in you for that to, for that to to work because that's why they shoot electricity into your heart, you know, is because your heart is electrical. So I remember one of the doctors right before they were doing that, the guy leans down to me and he goes, he goes, hey, feel good. Most of the time this works. And I was like, in my mind, I was like, don't tell me that. I don't want to hear most of the time this stuff works, right? You know, and my mind went to Star Wars and went to the, you know, C-3PO telling Han Solo what the odds are to survival in the asteroid field, right? Right, right. And, you know, Han, and I, I said this in my email, but that's what I, my mind went to. And it's like, sir, the odds of surviving, you know, Han's like, never tell me the odds. And I felt yeah. like, oh, that's the guy. I'm like, don't tell me. But I did. That's when you tell the. That's when you tell the doctor, shut him up or shut him down. Basically, I was like, like, who the fuck are you? And get like, I'm, I'm in my own world right now, trying to save me. But you know, you saw the finger, and the guy pointed at me, and they put me out. And then you know, I was still just cheerleading and hoping, and you know, please let me wake up. And then that was it. I went out, and they shocked me, and you know, did whatever they needed to do again. And um, I woke up, you know, like 20 or 30, well, 20 or 30 minutes later. And by that time, it was just me and the charge nurse, you know, and I was like, I couldn't believe that I was, that I, for one, was alive. You know, I thought for a moment that I might've been dead, but I was like squeezing my, you know, hand and I was doing that, you know, fist pump, right? And, you know, I was crying and the charge nurse, this guy he was clapping my shoulder and he and he was saying, Yeah, and you're a strong dude. He goes, God, he was kind of chuckling, right? And in a good way, complimentary, mm-hmm. right? But mm-hmm. you know, I didn't understand why. I didn't understand what he was doing. And he kept, you know, as he's, as he's taking things off and he's smacking me on the shoulder, and he goes, God, you're a strong dude. You're just you're a real strong dude. And I said, Why are you saying that? And he goes, I've never seen this before. We've never seen it before. I've never seen it before, you know. He kept saying that. I'm like, seeing, what have you not seen? And he goes, we've never seen anybody walk in in your condition to the ER. And I'm like, what? And he goes, yeah, man. He goes, most of the time they're they're DOA, you know, dead on arrival, oh, or they're unconscious when they get there sure. by ambulance or whatever, you know, and they're <clears throat> trying to save them. Right, right. And you, you come in on your own accord, and that's something that is – it sounds like it's nothing short of miraculous, to be honest with you. But it, is, it was – I'm trying to grapple with that, right, because I, I'm not wanting to hear what he's telling me, right, even though I was happy. And then he go, I go, well, how long have you been here? You know, I thought maybe he'd been there a month or he was new. And he goes, I've been here 10 years. And I was like – that was the last question I asked. Well, in a so, way, that's got to make you feel I, good, I, though, that, I mean, like, you had the, like, you made it through. It's, and it, 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 like, again, like, I wasn't obviously not in your shoes, Sean. But, sure, I mean, I feel like course. the takeaway could be, you know, hey, maybe that's the worst of it, you know, or or something along those lines. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess you could tell me. I'll tell you what. It was the hardest. That was, a, it was one hour from start, from the starting point at my house to that point right there. And it, it was the hardest hour of my life. I mean, 
to mm-hmm. go through all that and not, you know, because I'm I'm laying in front of the clock, so I I know what time it was, and and um, you know, I felt really happy, of course, but I had also like to, to comprehend what he was telling me, you know, and I said, look, just can you do me a favor and, and take a picture? I, I don't want to forget, you know, I always want to have this memory mm-hmm. um, because I was very lucky, you know, beyond lucky to make it. And then, now, you know, I went to the hospital, found out I had this horrible disease and surgery. And then, you know, 25 hospitals later, 16 heart, heart-related surgeries, hearts really damaged, you know. Um, I've been in the hospital in multiple countries and multiple states, oh, yeah. you know. Um, my... Uh, Left side uh, veins are collapsing, you know, because of the rejection. I mean, of the ICD they first put put in. So I know that we've reached our our hour. Um, no, it's okay, Sean. Don't worry about it. Man. It's you know, okay. it 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 got worse from there. So I could still, you know, I left the hospital and I still felt like I could do the things. Um, a little bit, you know, my doctor told me, you're never going to, you're never going to run. You're never going to swim. You're never going to do these things. Like you need to not, you know, they, they thought that I had something else and Mm. a year and a half later or a year later, you know, everything started to go downhill again. And so, you know, I continued to work. I mean, all, like you said, through the industry and, you know, through my next jobs. I mean, I was, I was working hundred hour weeks. So was, let me ask you this. Hold, hold on one second. Let me ask you this. When you and I were, were seeing each other all the time, like there wasn't a show that I would go to that I figured you wouldn't be at. Um, and right. I'm, I'm talking about like 2013, 14, 15. Right. During that time, when you see, and again, this is, these were the years where I formulated my opinions about you being this workhorse this, um, you know, never stopping burning the candle at both ends was in that time. So in those years, the 2013, 14, 15, and, and so on, were, you were dealing with this head on. Oh, I was, I mean, those, what I just told you was, was like the, if I had to get into the, into a, a swimming pool, we were mm-hmm. just now into the little kiddie pool hanging out. From that moment on, it became and went into areas that I didn't even know it could exist, nor the pain and the medications, the drugs that were also killing me that I was taking were destroying organs. Um, I was, you know, in surgeries after surgery and then getting on the road and going to events, you know, because what I'll tell this to people and, you know, everyone thinks your health is what's important. Right. And, and of course it is. I mean, you know, I've lost everything. I mean, today, everything is gone, you know, I mean, everything and depression does come with, with it. Right. And I hit it. I mean, I'm really good at, you know, focusing on the job at hand and, you know, I didn't tell people the misery that I was going through, right? The the drugs that I was on were so crippling, you know. I mean, you 
you think about like the stuff that you take, you know, and um, aspirin, or maybe you're on something that's stronger, and maybe you know you have a condition. But when you start to get with heart and brain, liver, you know, and you're you're facing cancer or something, you know, something really that's that's really hard, and you've got to be on these drugs, right? And there's not a lot of great drugs in in my category, right? There's heart drugs, and then there's antiarrhythmics, and they are devastating, you know, because that the levels that I was was on these drugs first because they, it wasn't stopping the disease. So my the disease that I have is called ARVD, and it's progressive. There's no cure, and the only thing they can do is try to do surgeries and then put you on these drugs and try to keep you alive for as long as that you can last. Right. So is the, is the end game then for you? And I don't, I don't mean to say end game in a bad way. I just mean the, the, say whatever you want. want. It's it's okay. Well, the happiest result for you and you mentioned it earlier would be then a heart transplant. Is that what is that what's is that on the table right now? I mean, is that are you working towards that? Are the doctors helping you? Or are you on the list? What's going on with that? You know, it's a really it's a great question. And the thing that most people think when you talk about transplants, they're like, oh, you know, great, you can get a transplant, and like, you know, they're so good today, and it's happening a lot, and and you want people to think that, right? I mean, it it, it definitely you know a lot, a lot of people go, oh, then your life will be you know, you get a heart transplant and you're all better. Um, the truth of the matter is, is it is, there's a reason why it's a last ditch effort. There's a reason why transplants are really difficult. I mean, I've been through nine years of, you know, 25 hospitals, 16 surgeries. I mean, I've almost died many times in the hospital. I've been in the CCU, which is the worst place you could imagine having multiple infections, you know, um, having heart infections, massive blood clotting, you know. So along with this disease also came two blood, can you know, two blood diseases that they didn't know. And on top of that, you know, my vascular, the vein situation on my left side is completely gone. And they're, they just keep adding hardware in because it's, they're going to, the veins on my left side are going to collapse, which is going to require a major open heart surgery. Whether I survive, that is in question. So I have all these other issues that now, you know, my heart this last year, you know, I've been in 16 hospitals in the last two years, you know, on top of that. I mean, it's just every two months I'm either in surgery or, you know, my device has gone off. So the device that's in my chest real quick is one of them is the most powerful in, in the market because it, it's, uh, it's a sub Q. It's basically a device that shocks my heart, but it's, it's non-evasive. So it doesn't go through the, your um, veins. It doesn't lead into the heart and doesn't attach to the heart like all the other ones do and they they need minimal electrical current because when things are attached to your heart you don't need much 
but this was a new device. And I was one of the first out of like 500 people in the world to get it back in 2014. So right. without well, it, what, I wasn't going to make it, you know? So what's going to end so, up being, I mean, Jesus Christ, you, you, I, I feel so, I, I'm so sad right. for uh, hearing this, man. I mean, no, don't feel sad. Look, it, I mean, I, it, 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 uh, it's a shitty situation, right? I mean, there are, I'm not trying to make it, I'm not trying to make it any worse at all, Sean. It's no, just that I'm okay. hearing this. I'm, I just, fuck. I, I have you know, I, I just have so many fond memories of you and I just hanging out. Just, it, it, you know, hell, I almost came to work for you, man, because, you know, we talked about that for a while and, uh, you know, would have been a great opportunity, you know, and, you know, yeah, I just I really fun if in, in, in those days, right. I would have, and I wanted to, I would look, I also wanted to work for you. I mean, you know, pay the compliment. Um, it's, it's been tough. My, you know, as a person, you change whether you want to or not. Right. And I, I'd like to call this, yeah. these are forced changes. It's kind of like a, it's like you're driving down the street and you're, you know, not you know, caring the world and you're doing the right thing. And all of a sudden you, you get plowed by a bus. Right. And life changes you, you know, and you have to deal with, with that outcome. Right. Could be anything. And, you know, to go through this so many times, I mean, it is hard. I mean, it, it's been crushing mentally, you know, and I don't, I don't think there has been a night yet, uh, you know, that I haven't cried, you know, um, trying to, you know, keep the best foot forward. I mean, having to do a GoFundMe, you know, where you like, I mean, every cent that I had in any form of an asset has, you know, gone into millions of dollars of medical care, you know, and you're now nine years into this. And now I have AFib, you know, because my, the heart can only last so much, right? There's so many surgeries that you can do. You know, my heart has been shocked over 14 times and you know the that process of being shocked and and the it delivers 80 joules of electricity and for those that don't know joules or electricity right 80 joules would at, at the at the millisecond that it goes into my heart it would drop and kill an elephant like that i mean wow. literally right. yep it is one of the most horrific, painful situations, you know, because you're literally, one, don't know if you're going to make it. It's no guarantee that when your heart is shocked that it's, gonna, that it's going to go back into rhythm and then it would shock again, you know. So I've been down that road. Um, but, you know, you are trying to manage everything, right? And you're trying to work. And, you know, the medicines were crippling and it just got worse and worse. And I, I, you know, every problem led to more medication or different medications. And so, you know, you, you're not sleeping because, you know, the, the surgeries and the device implant on the side of your body, I mean, you're, there's just no, there's nothing you can do, right? You're just in pain. 
So you're dealing with those situations. You're trying to take pain meds. And on top of everything else, you know, I have Crohn's disease. So the medicines that I take really mess with my insides. And so if it's not one thing, you know, it's something else. And you're dealing with this for weeks and months and trying to, I mean, the last time you saw me, you know, at, in, in LA when I was working, I mean, I was, I was hanging on by a thread, you know, the, the drugs were so hard. They're crippling. You know, I couldn't get any sleep because I'm in pain and, you know, I'm pushing myself because like I said this earlier, it's not the fact that you lose that that health isn't the issue. It's losing your independence, right. not being able to do the things, not being able to work and provide for your wife or your kids, right? Losing the ability to just get in your car and drive somewhere or be able to go and run a mile because that's what you do to, to get your stuff worked out of your system. Right. Or, you know, go meet your friends and, you know, you're wondering if you're even going to be able to, you know, have enough energy because all day you've been down, you know, you're like sick and you scrape up enough will to make it like, that's the point, you know, where I'm at. And it's look, it's okay. I mean, well, I mean, it's, it's not okay. Um, but is, look, is there any kind of, you know, I, I, I don't know. Is there anywhere people can go to help financially, moral support, anything, man? Because, you know, here's the thing, Sean, you know, I've, there's one thing I've always noticed and it's, it's, very obvious. Like there's not a person that knows you in this industry. And there are a lot of people that know you. I mean, clearly look at, look at your circle of friends for Christ's sake early on. I mean, you, you had the people who started the industry, right. You know, uh, rallying around you. So you have a lot of friends out there. You always have, and you always will. Is there somewhere we can go to help? Well, there's my, my GoFundMe is still up, you know, and a lot of people, I mean, I have, there's some, there's so many people that I haven't even been able to reach out um, and really uh, get on the computer to start sending thank yous. But, you know, if you go to GoFundMe and you type my name in, you'll, you'll see my GoFundMe page. And it's, it's a really, you know, I am so grateful so far for the people, you know, it's, it's, um, I just had it up here, but you know, it's, you know, it's helped Sean Lash carry fight for his life. Right. And, um, things are not looking good. You know, that's the honest truth. Um, I haven't been able to put a posting up Sorry, for a while so, because so say that again, say it slowly. Um, so people can, can find this. Okay. This is important. So just, right. what is it? It's, it's on GoFundMe. So it's GoFundMe.com. Right. And let me. And what are they? What are they going for once they get to that page? Let's see. So it's the fundraiser, you know. So when you go there, it's basically help Sean Lash Gary fight for his life. So it's so for people that don't know, it's going to be help um, Sean S E A N, right? Yep. Okay. 
S E A N Lashgari. Yep. Type it in right now, man. Yeah, L A S H G A R I. And if you if you just type in my name, first name and last name, it's the only one that will come up. I mean, we changed it that way so it would actually. In the beginning, it was just Sean, and there's like twenty seven thousand Shans for or whatever. Right. Right. And you feel like you feel for it. I mean, this is never a spot where you want to end up in, right? I mean, uh, but the generosity of so many people, I mean, I, you know, what's been really difficult too is because my legs have so much damage from the surgeries, I can't even sit for more than like 10 minutes to mm-hmm. like get on a laptop and my left arm with my device. So my device surgery that I had is messed up and I can't use my left arm. Um, so like if, if you're typing on your computer mm-hmm. in about 10 minutes, my left side will become unusable and it's crazy, you know, uh, to do that. So I'm, I'm looking at software to speak into because I, I don't like, I have to either lay down or I'm on the floor, you know, or I'm in a chair literally throughout the day because the the pain is just you know it's it's unimaginable but but that's the gofundme it's up you know it's um i'm I'm looking at it right now um i'm looking at it right now and there's a hundred thousand dollar goal with twenty four thousand one hundred and fifteen dollars of that raised um it needs to be better than that. So if anybody's uh, listening and wants to help out, this is the way to do it. Go to GoFundMe.com, type in Sean Lashgari, S-E-A-N-L-A-S-H-G-A-R-I, and you will see the only only result that pops up, and you can donate right there. You know, it, it to everyone, even you know, a friend of mine, she put down $5, and I told her, I said, look, don't feel bad about what you, what the, no amount of money is, is the, the key. It's the thought it's the, you know, I'm living off of the donations of others to buy medicine, you know, to put food on, you know, the table to, you know, just to live. And uh, it's gonna, you know, this is the, the hardest time because now after these nine years, this is where it's where it looks like it's just beginning. You know, um, the surgeries are going to get harder, you know, so I'm going to be going to Stanford. It's one of the best heart centers in the world, you know, so I haven't really posted much about it yet because I'm waiting to speak to them. I speak to them in a few weeks and um, you know, the heart transplant thing is a really tough battle. I mean, 25% of the people won't get it, you know, yeah. and yeah, my vein situation may make it impossible. I mean, I have a lot of issues that they're going to have to look at. So I'm really trying not to get my hopes up. You know, the costs are incredible, you know, and survival rate is good, but it's also there's a very large number, you know, that comes with it. And I mean, I am not in a, I mean, I am really very weak, you know, and my, unfortunately my heart is, is going the other way. I'm getting weaker as, as the time goes on. So, you know, you just, 
put one foot forward and, you know, I love this uh, ability to talk to, you know, one of my best gaming friends and just personal friends, you know, to be able to come to your house, JB and hang out, Mm -hmm. um, be around your wife, you know, see your family. I mean, those are the things that are, that are, that are awesome, you know, but Hey, I'm, I mean, I'm going to fight every which way that I can. And, and, you know, hopefully one day I'll be back in the industry or I, you know, I really want to try to help others and try to help save lives. I mean, the story is pretty crazy. And, you know, if, if I can help one person at all, one person, then everything that I've gone through is worth it. Understood. And I, I, Look, I'm going to tell you something. Um, you know, if anybody's going to get through this, uh, it's you, buddy. It, it really, truly is. And I, I'm, I'm saying that because you've never, ever, to my knowledge, backed down from anything. I mean, you've walked yourself into the hospital, for Christ's sake, when other people are, are being rolled in, you know, uh, not, in, not in the same way. And, you know, you're a fighter. You have so many people that love you, buddy. You know, myself included, man. There are so many good and, uh, I'm so touched and, you know, I'm, I'm hopefully trying to figure out a way where I can just email a few people at a time, you know, um, yeah. and, and start the thanks to all those because I'm, I'm well, overwhelmed even with what is, what has happened so far. And, you know, I, I don't ask questions like that. I don't look at and say, you know, I can't even, I can't even, spell i can't even say the word right because i've never never done that i've had an amazing life i've lived so many different lives right and if if i can bear this which hopefully you know i've been able to but uh it's taken everything from me you know and you just gotta you know you gotta you gotta do it i mean you this is this is life so i mean i'm 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 not any. I'm not a person to get down on my knees, right? I mean, right. I begged for my for life sure. with the doctors, you know, and that's another. That's going to be my next post, you know, because one of the war situations again just happened. You know, there's been three times in my life where I've been in there with first responders, or you know, I went down, and you know, my life was a was a coin uh, coin toss. You know, that was it. I mean, the first one was was that one. But the next two that happened, you just can't imagine you. You hope that you'll, you know, the the pain and the suffering is unbelievable to go through. Right. And you're like, I can't believe, you know, I'm never surprised anymore by how much like the what the body can go through, because I, I think I've felt the worst. And then something happens and it's worse than the time before. Right. And so I, I, you know, I've just never been someone to go like me, you know, why me? I can't even, even enter that thought in my mind because I have to keep the, the fire going and stoking, you know, the life that's here and it doesn't do any good to ask questions. There's no answers. Well, well, I, I, I get that. But at the same time, you know, you have to, you know, 
you have to stay positive, man. I hate to say it and sound just stupid about it, but I mean, the fact is, you know, you have a great outlook. It, it's, it's clear to me, it's clear to everybody listening to this, that you are going to pull through this. And there's, there's just no question. My, my goal is next time I have you on and I'm going to have you on again. Um, I'd love to be, you know, on. it's going to be, you will be, I, I am, I'm, I'm making you a promise right now. You will be, and you're going to be after you get past, you know, some of the, it's, it's never going to be easy. Like you said, it's never going to be smooth sailing from here on out, but there's going to be hurdles and you're going to get over them. And then there's going to be new challenges. And then you're going to get over those. I'm telling you, that's the way it's going to go for you, my friend. And next time I have you on, yeah, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about where you are and how much better of a place you're in, you know, than you have been. And I'm, I'm, I'm making that promise to you, my friend. Okay. Well, I will uh, keep that very close and we'll be in contact, you know, of course. Uh, it may be, it may be from a hospital who knows, you know, <laughs> um, which is okay too. But I, I'm very honored that, and I just want to say this to you. I'm so happy that you've started the podcast, right? Um, you know, I listened to everything the past couple of nights and you do a really good job, JB. Thank you. You Thank do you. a really good job. And I, it's, it's important, I think, to, to keep that going, um, you know, however it goes. Just know that there's people out there that want you to do this. You know, yeah. the industry needs it. There's so much stuff. But I'm, I'm really grateful for our friendship, the times that we've been able to share and good and bad, you know, wherever they have come. Um, and for everyone that's listening, you know, the industry helped put me to where I am today, you know, and it's only given me great things. And, you know, man, if, if, if today was my last day, I, I would be okay with it. You know, I would love to be married. I would love to have a family or something, but you know, right now, what I've been able to do in my life, you know, the people I've been able to meet have been awesome. Well, there you go. Um, all right, man. Well, look, looks like we uh, we lost you there at the very end. Um, your internet, I mean. Oh, did I lose? Uh, all right, folks. Um, it's GoFundMe.com. Search for Sean Lashgari, and I'm gonna put it in the links for the show as well, so you don't have to, you know, try to find it in the in the episode. Um, all right. Thanks, JB. 